Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. All right. Okay, are we on? We're good. All right, well, next Sunday's Father's Day. And uh, such a blessing that we're going to be able to be able to celebrate it together. And um, with the weather being good outside, we have unlimited um, capacity outside. So, and also, um, it's it's safer with the distancing, even better out there. But um, so we'll be able to have fellowship time and stuff uh, after service, um, and be able to connect a little bit more, which is going to be good. Now. Um, I've started uh, a series last week on Daniel, and um, Daniel in the Bible, he's a tremendous, tremendous example for us. The Bible says that we are to look at these people in the Old Testament in particular, that we're to learn from them, that we're to be able to um, glean from them, that we're able to learn from their mistakes and from their, their things that they did well. In Daniel, what I want to really focus on for us Um, is to see that Daniel honored God in the midst of his nation being in captivity. And sometimes we feel like we're in captivity. Sometimes we feel like with this whole lockdown and all the different things that are going on, I'm not going to get into all of the different theories and different things. There's there's a a gazillion out there, and uh, everyone has their opinions and their thoughts. But bottom line is this, God is God. And he's sovereign over all things. And we see this in the life of Daniel. And we see that God came through for him, and not only for him, but for a nation. And we see that God's judgments even were were a part of that. And um, even in his judgment, there was mercy. And we see this in Daniel. We see this in the life of Daniel. And I believe that us as believers, as the people of God, even in the midst of going through tough times, and even if, let's say it is judgment, because no one, you know, everyone's like, well, I've got this opinion, I've got that opinion. You know, in the end, it's an opinion. But in the end, God knows. And God knows what he's doing. And, and in the midst of whatever is going on, m- the most important thing for you and for me is that we hear God, that we honor him, and we follow him regardless of what goes on around us. And we see this in the life of Daniel. There's three things that we see in the life of Daniel. We see humility, we see trust, and we see hope. These three attributes we see continually through the life of Daniel. We're going to look at these as we uh, walk through his life and look at the different stages that he went through. But Daniel 11.32 says this, And the people, I don't have this verse up, I'll just quote it. And the people who know their God will display strength and take action. This is what it says about the people who know their God. Not just know about him, but know him. And that's what I want to, that's who I want to be. I don't want to be a person that just knows about God and regurgitates the Bible to you because these are the facts. I want to have walked with God, experienced God, and know him experientially. Know him that 
that what I've said and what I've seen God to be true in, in his word, that I have let that translate into my life. And I have allowed God's power to live and work in me. And not only in me, but influence those around me. And we see this in the life of Daniel in an incredible way. And um, we see that in the beginning that what we looked at last week for the recap, he was taken out of his, his home nation. He was taken into captivity. And he was put into a school because he was one of the higher up people that was basically well-educated in his own country and was uh, a person that was of influence. So they, the, the, the Nebuchadnezzar said, I want these guys from Jerusalem. I want these guys from, from Israel in my house, and I want to retrain them because these guys are, are good, but I want to be able to reprogram them. And so basically they went to university for three years, a Babylonian university. Can you imagine enduring three years of a university that you can't stand? That you know, okay, God's principles are true. Here I'm learning some dingling stuff from a bunch of dinglings that, you know, don't know God. And I, I got to endure this. And Daniel, in the midst of that, had a conviction that I cannot dishonor God. And one of the things that he had was the dietary laws. And in that uh, time, the king was giving them wine and all kinds of different things. And there were dietary laws that Daniel had a conviction of, and he said, I can't eat this. So he gave a test, and you, you know, you can listen to the lesson from last week or read the book of Daniel yourself, chapter one. But basically, the, the guy who was taking care of Daniel from the king's court really liked Daniel, but he's like, look, Daniel, if I let you get away with this, the king's going to kill me. And so Daniel said, okay, let's, let's do a test. For 10 days, I'm going to do my dietary laws of waters and vegetables and, um, and test us after 10 days. After 10 days, they were 10 times better in all different ways. And so basically, the king said, okay, scrap all the food for everyone else. You got to eat what Daniel eats. And Daniel influenced that entire group of people and the king. And in three years... After those three years, there was none wiser than Daniel. He grew in wisdom and strength and all these different things. And so a lot of times what I think we're focusing on are the wrong things. I think we're blaming this, blaming that, blaming this, blaming that, blaming that, when we should be allowing God's strength to live in us and we should be taking action with what God has given us to do. Every one of us, there, in Daniel's humility, these are the things Daniel understood. He knew who he was. He knew what God had given him. And he stayed in his sphere of influence. He walked in this continually. And for every one of us, we can do that. We can do that in the sphere that God has put us in. And we can be strong in what God has given us to do. And, and the Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. In other words, doing, taking action that is good. And whenever we pray, whenever we are honoring God, God will always give us steps. And we see this in the life of Daniel. We're going to see this here uh, again um, when we're looking at Daniel too. But uh, what I want us to see, first of all, is that Daniel's name, they, they changed Daniel's name. Um, and, and Daniel's name means God is my judge. 
And Daniel lived that. And his actions always prove that. And in Hebrews 4, if we can go there, Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. This is what it says for us in the New Testament. Let me just pull it up and read it from here. It says this. In Hebrews 11. Hebrews 4. It says this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How many have had that happen when you've read the word of God all of a sudden it's like it cuts right through you and it's like it reveals something that was maybe hidden there. And it says here, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. And Daniel lived from that place of conviction. He lived from that reality. And I believe that in these days more than ever, not that it ever was less, but in these days, if, if there is anything that is needed, if there is anything that we need to focus on, it's this. We need to have an awareness that in the end, I'm accountable to God. That it doesn't matter what's going on around me. You blame this, blame that, COVID schmobit this, whatever, whatever, whatever. Conspiracy, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. What matters is that you know God and that you're obedient to what God has told you to do because none of us are blobs. We were created and designed by the creator himself, with purpose and with destiny. Even for these times, nothing is wasted in God's kingdom. Nothing. And if you don't know what to do, go to the one who designed you and pull out the manual and start letting him show you, look, this is how I made you. This is a little bit quirky here. We need to tighten up this screw. We need to lubricate and oil this a little bit. Some of us need a little bit of oil. We've gotten a little rusty and cranky. And instead of running smooth, like, we're like, right? And there's different things, but God, the designer, can bring us back. And I love this. Because after it says this about um, that we're accountable to him, everything's exposed to him, and he is the one in whom we are accountable. Verse 14. So then, since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Isn't that awesome? So he understands our weaknesses. And it says here, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne 
of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Amen? How many have had to draw from a lot of grace? Go to that throne room. It seems like, especially in desperate times, there's, there's that cleaving and it's like, you know what? The one thing that I've seen with this whole lockdown and this whole thing is people are either getting more serious about God or they're not. It's gotten rid of the wishy-washy. It's like either you're going to go for all of God and you're really going to draw on Him or you're just pulling away. But you can't fake it because the pressure exposes who you are. And when it exposes who you are, we have options. We have the option of ignoring it and pretending that nothing's wrong and be unrepentant, or we can allow that pressure to bring us to a place of repentance and a draw on his grace to help us in our weakness. Amen? And Daniel did this. Daniel lived in this place. And I want us to look at the life of Daniel in, um, in another thing that he faced because what we're going to see in the life of Daniel is he continually faced situations that were extremely overwhelming. Now, the attributes that Daniel walked in, humility, trust, and hope, are all counterintuitive. They are against the natural grain of things. They are almost the exact opposite of what you should do. How many know humility is not something that comes naturally, that we just walk in and we just, oh, <laughs> Michael's one of those humble and proud of it guys, you know, and, uh, but no, he's not. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it, it's not a, a natural, easy flowing thing to humble yourself or to walk in humility. It, it just feels, it, you make yourself vulnerable many times and you feel, you feel like, it just, pride and just taking control of things many times is so much more comfortable for us. Trust, you know, in a God, what, that, that, that we can't see what, what he's going to do next, but walking in a trust and a, and a dependency, regardless of what we, we see. And we're going to see this very much so in this case that we're going to look at today with Daniel, in Daniel 2. But, and then hope, Daniel always had hope. He opened those windows of his room, and the Bible says that it faced Jerusalem, and it says every day he would pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yet he knew from Jeremiah's prophecy, which we're going to look at early, that they were going to be captive for 70 years. That was God's part of God's discipline for the nation of Israel because they had not honored the Sabbath, for so many years, God said, for every year, you're going to be in captivity. And we'll look at that later. But right now, I want to, let's look at the, at the book of, of Daniel. Because Daniel was always thrown into situations where he didn't ask for it. <clears throat> now, it says here, let's read it in Daniel 2, starting at verse 1. It says, one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a, such a disturbing dream that he couldn't sleep. Now, how many know when the king has a bad dream... He's having a bad day. Everyone's going to have a bad day. Especially when you have a strong ruler like King Nebuchadnezzar. You know what's hilarious? When we were in uh, Colombia, we went to a, a conference there. 
And then we had the, the translator headsets because they spoke in Spanish. Do you know what Nebuchadnezzar translates in Spanish? Nebuchadinosaur. <laughs> so, King Nebuchadinosaur. And, and we, we did that. We laughed. So there was like 25,000 at this conference. And probably half of us or more were English, right? So every time he, he, he was telling this story, right, and he said the name, we'd all laugh. And, and the speaker's like wondering, like, what did he say wrong, right? The whole time it was hilarious. But Nebuchadnezzar, I can't get that out of my head. But anyway, so Nebuchadnezzar had a disturbing dream. So one thing's interesting about this is this was a, a powerful, powerful ruler. We're going to look at that, and we're going to see this as we read the account. But he was disturbed by a dream. God knows how to get through to everyone. And so it says here, he called all his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. He said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb. That's not really the best option, but it's like, okay, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream and then I will know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. Now, one thing I want us to see here, this is the mindset. God is far away from us. God is not concerned for us. Many people live as if he is very distant. We, as the people of God, the Bible says one of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? If there is ever an opportunity that we have, it's now. And everyone feels like everything is so far, it's so beyond. COVID is not more powerful than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can heal COVID. He is greater than a vaccine. I'm not putting down a vaccine, but a vaccine has limitations. Jesus Christ doesn't. 
And we as the people of God need to know him and we need to know what he has given us more than ever before. And Daniel knew this. Daniel walked in this. It says, The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. How many know that's a bad day? Okay, there's no solution here. It's like the back is up against the wall, and there's no way out. And because of the king's decree, men are sent to find... And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to tell them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. I love this. He didn't, that's my right. You can't do that. You know, and, and he had wisdom and he had discretion. It was a situation that is far, far beyond his control. They're coming in, and they're going to rip his limbs off. And he doesn't even know why. He says he asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. So immediately, this is what I love about Daniel. He displayed strength, and he took action. And he immediately said, tell the king, not for more time. Actually, that translates wrong in the NLT. Basically, he said, make an appointment for the king. I can tell him what the dream is. Now, do you think Daniel knew it? No, he didn't. And this, we're going to see this as we read on. But this is what I want us to see about Daniel. And this is what I think we have to realize. So, so many times we think we have all these options. And we don't have all these options. There's one way, the right way or the wrong way. And in Daniel's case, I either get ripped limb, limb by limb. Or I say God's going to give me something. And I trust God that God's going to do it. I make the appointment. What have I got to lose? You know what? Some of our scenarios and our situations, we have too many options. And we cruise and we coast and we're like, ah, take an easy road. Oh, no, the pressure goes off. And it's like, no, when we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, are we displaying God's strength and are we taking action? Are we making excuses? Are we going off on the easy road? It's easy to do. We can do it. But I believe God wants us to step in and wants us to take action. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says this. We can pull that one up. It says, um, I'm going to read it from the screen. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. This is one thing Daniel lived by. He was aware that I've got to put my trust in God. And that I know that when I do, God rewards those that seek him. He lived in that reality continually. Why? Because God 
was his judge. God was his judge. That was his name. And so Daniel, let's read on. So it says here, so Arioch told him all, okay, first of all. Uh, so then he requested for the king to, an appointment with the king. Verse 17. I love this. Then Daniel went where? Went in his room and he cried and he's like, poor me, poor me. You know, and, he, and what, did, what did he do? He went and told his friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which this is their, their Jewish name, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He went to his small group. He went to his place of accountability. He went to his peeps that had faith and that he knew were going to pray. They weren't going to go, oh, poor Daniel, oh, poor you. Pat him on the back and it's going to be okay. No. He went to his three guys that he knew were full of faith. And he's like, we need to pray. Amen? You know, who do you have that you've got around you in these situations? One thing that I'm seeing is isolation. It's from the enemy. He tries to isolate you. He tries to put you in, and you know what? You can't get everything that you can get from God in your garden. I've got a beautiful garden. I love doing that stuff. I love nature. But it doesn't replace faith-filled people that are going to challenge me, that are going to help me, that are going to walk with me, and that are going to spur one another on. It doesn't replace it. And Daniel had this in his life. Even in the midst of captivity, he had a small group that he connected with. And he went to the, these guys, and it says he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. <clears throat> How many know that was probably a pretty intense prayer night? Probably a little bit more intense than your regular prayer night. When you realize, okay, we could be getting our limbs ripped off next, tomorrow morning. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So God revealed it to him in a vision. And this is what Daniel said. And this is where you hear Daniel's faith. This is where you hear the heart of what was inside of this man. You know what I love? The, the, one of the best privileges that I have in the city right now is praying with the pastors. We're meeting weekly and we've been praying. And it's just a prayer time over lunch over Zoom and we're just praying because what? Because we're desperate. And it's like what are we praying for? We're praying for everything. For God to do everything. But what I love about the prayer time is we hear each other's hearts. We hear hearts. And prayer, when it's prayer that comes from genuine, authentic, God, we need more, you begin to hear the heart of those. And it doesn't matter what denomination, what background. A heart's a heart. And the basic needs of every human being are the same. 
And we all cry out to God and we all need it the same. And this is what Daniel said. He said, praise the name of God forever. For he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of the world events. Amen? Well, what's going on with COVID? COVID is here. And what are we going to do in the midst of it? There are things we can learn in the midst of this that we need to learn. We need to learn it. We need to allow God to work in us in the midst of this. And there's plenty of opportunity for us to pray for the sick. Which Jesus has said we can do. And he gives us his power to be able to bring healing. He gives wisdom. Oh no, first of all, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies in hidden darkness. Though he is surrounded by light. I thank you and praise you, God, my God, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength, and you have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So do you hear the heart of humility in Daniel? Do you hear even the fact that he says here, look, he says, you, um, even with my, he goes back to his ancestors and he gives, he commends them, and he's rem reminded about them. And so, Dave, Daniel lived with this awareness that God is in control of all things, and I need to be in the midst of what God is doing. And when he got in the middle of that, God was able to freely flow and say, okay, boom, I'm going to work through you, and I'm going to change the situation. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. And the king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Listen to Daniel's reply. There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. Amen? Who reveals secrets and has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you laid on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. And he revealed secrets, shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream. But I love this. Because 
you know what I see in the prophetic movement? A lot of people are just tooting their horn prophetically, and it's all about what they're getting prophetically. You don't see humility. You don't see a demonstration of genuinely wanting to get out what God has and the purpose of why God has something. It's more about the word and how special the word is. And Daniel didn't have this. Daniel said, I'm not wiser. I'm I'm not smarter than everyone else. He says, and it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. God wants you to understand what's going on inside of you, King Nebuchadnezzar. This is a wicked king, and God's wanting to get to him. There, I believe, are situations, and there's rulers, and there's different things that we're going to face, and and it's going to be directly opposed to God. But God is going to come through and God's going to be intervene in ways that we're going to be like, wow, because why? Because we trusted that God was going to do something and reveal something and do something. You know, I'm reminded of this one situation. It's hilarious. We, were, we went to Croatia. We were doing a big outreach thing downtown in Croatia. Um, it was a missions trip we were taking, and it was this, we were doing this mime with, with music and stuff and preaching the gospel on this big, huge downtown Croatia in, uh, where we were there in, in Split, um, and hundreds and hundreds of people, and there was a church that we were helping, it was a young church, and we were helping them with evangelism and outreach, and so, um, but when, before we went, we had everything, but we didn't have power, and our generator was still on the airplane, and it was on. It was going to come in, in a few days. But we had already put on that advertisement. We were going to be down there. So we have to start knocking on doors of all the stores that are downtown. Everyone's turning us down. Everyone's turning us down. Guess who opens their doors and lets us have power? The porn shop. <laughs> The porn store. He's like, yes, yes, you can. And he sees the flyer and he sees it's about God and it's helping people. And it's like, but you know what? God opened that door. And God opened the door. He got saved and and things turned around. But God uses the most unusual things when we step up to the plate and we dare to believe that, God, you can do something. We're just going to put you out there. Amen? Amen. So don't limit him. Daniel didn't limit him. Daniel knew God did this because God wanted to get through to this king. And I'm not going to get into the dream um, because there, that's a whole other thing. And, there, and, and, and it's a dream that, that basically interpreted it was prophecy of things that were going to happen. It was saying King Nebuchadnezzar was, was the greatest king. And then there were going to be others that were going to be less. And it's very prophetic um, and then he goes on and on and on. It says here at the end of it. It says, verse 46, let's go there. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burnt burned sweet incense before him. And the king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, 
a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. How many know that God can get to the heart of a matter? And I think a lot of times what we do is we avoid things or we only go so far and we only allow God to go on the surface. But God wants to put us, I believe, into situations where you feel like you're backed in a corner and there is only one option. And it's like, God, you have to reveal yourself in this situation. You have to prove yourself in this situation. Daniel was in this situation. It says, Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. And he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. Wow. This is a captive Israelite. He's a prisoner. But this is what you will see. The one who serves leads. This is true in life. The one who serves leads. People who truly serve, not self-serving, that serve others, you will be elevated. Because Jesus laid this principle out. He said, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Genuine serving elevates. It elevates. And Daniel was one of those. It says here, um, <clears throat> then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him, I read that. Um, it says here, at Daniel's request, I love this, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. So Daniel elevated his friends, his small group. He's like, look, if I win, we all win. Amen? The Bible says if one suffers, we all suffer. But you know, if one is rejoicing, we all rejoice. Amen? And Daniel knew this. Daniel lived in this reality. I want us to go to Romans 12 because this is what we are called to do. Um, this is part of our mandate um, that we are commanded through the scriptures to do in the midst of every season that we're in. This is kind of a, a go-to that I have that it keeps me in check. And um, I use this a lot, a lot. And in Romans 12... We're going to start at verse 9. In the beginning of that chapter, it talks about each of us giving, been given gifts, some for encouragement, some for um, mercy, some uh, for administration, and, and we're to use that gift for the betterment of others. But then it says here, verse 9, and it says, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Amen? Rejoice in our confident hope. See, these are things that we can be doing every day. Amen? How many we can choose to not be lazy? 
And there's times, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the, on your day of rest, you can chill and relax. We're given a Sabbath day to rest. Pastors are the worst. I work with them all the time, and I'm like, dude, did you take a day off? And they're like, oh, no. It's like the Sabbath rest is for all of us. Your boss has given you a day off. Don't be a dork. And we don't. Everything blends. Because see, people's problems just... And there's never a turn off. It's like, no, you know what? That'll be there tomorrow. Today, it's me and Jesus. We're resting. You need your rest, but then you need to work diligently and not be lazy. It says here, and do it as unto the Lord. Then it says here, um, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Let's read that again. Be patient in trouble. Let's say that again. <laughs> Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Prayer meetings should be going up. And keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Well, that's just weird. Hey, come on. Seriously? Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. How many think that's a little counterintuitive? Just, it's kind of the upside-down kingdom. It makes no sense. But let me tell you guys, your enemy gives you what no one else can give you. If you have the chance to look back on your life and reflect, your enemy, when you've allowed God to work in that situation through it, gives you something that's your friends that no one else can give you. No one else. God has a plan even for your enemy. And God uses your enemy. And I'll tell you, some of them, you're like, ooh. I didn't th think, you know, David even said of his own household, his own family. There's times, there's betrayals, and there's different things. But there's something that you can gain from those things if you allow God to work in the midst of it. You don't get bitter. You allow God to make you better by breaking you. And it is not an easy thing, but there's a process he does. So bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them and pray that God will bless them. 
How do you think things are going to turn around? Do you think they're going to turn around by you cursing the very thing that is cursed more? By reinforcing what is already evil? The Bible says don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So how are we going to get out of our situations that we're in if we continue to curse and declare the very problem that's before us? Instead of digging in with God, blessing that situation, saying, God, you've got something greater in the midst of this. I, I bless you that you're working. I bless you that you're working even in my enemy's life. I bless you, God, that you're working in these situations. Daniel had to pray for a wicked king. And what happened? God gave him a disturbing dream that God wanted to give him the interpretation for. And we're going to see later on. Daniel had to do some even tougher things for this king. But they were life-changing, impacting, not only for Daniel, but for an entire nation. And we've got to see that the, the things that we do, these things, as weird as they are, they have power to bring change. Praying for our enemies, praying for those situations that we're in, in that are giving trouble, praying instead of complaining brings change. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Oh, sorry, I'm going back. That's a good point again. <laughs> Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So in other words, begin to share life together. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> we all get, tend to have areas where we think, uh, you know, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Or is it just me? It's just me, yes. I am a very strong personality, and so that is definitely an area where I fall off the rails. It, on certain things where I'm strong, it's like, it's, it's, it cannot be good sometimes. But this is what we have to practice. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Amen? And don't think you know it all. Verse 17. How many know you need God's power to do all these things? And guess what? These aren't optional. Uh, I'm, picking, I'm picking verse 12 and verse 19. The others, eh. Now, this is our lifestyle. This is how we live in humility, trust, and hope. Like Daniel. Jesus brought it down to where the rubber hits the road. Never pay back evil with what? More evil. Never. Two wrongs don't make right. How many heard that? I heard my mom all the time. Two wrongs don't make right, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mom. <clears throat> and you know what? They don't. 
And we have to really guard that. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never. Never. Never take revenge. Wow, it's getting real quiet in here. And this is why he says, I will take revenge. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, kick them. <laughs> what does it say? Feed them. If they're thirsty, feed them salt. <laughs> right? Come on. This is the upside-down kingdom. This is what walking in true humility is. Can you feed your enemy? Can you give them something to drink? He says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Smith Wigglesworth, I'll use this account. Man who raised, that documented, I believe, 21 people that they have documented that he raised from the dead. Documented dead and documented undead. Right? Alive. And this was, he was a powerful, powerful man of God, but he didn't start there. Earlier in his life, he fought God and his wife was this on-fire woman of God, and she kept going on and going on. And he's like, uh, I think her name was Molly. Was Molly? Polly. Okay, it's hard with the mask. As I sit in my fishbowl. <laughs> but um, so Polly... Polly was like, you know, Smith? And he's like, if you go to church tonight, I'm walking the door, and you're staying out all night. And she's like, Smith, honey, dear, I'm making you dinner, and I respect you, and I won't neglect my responsibilities here, but when it comes to God, I will go to that meeting, and I will honor God. And she left. After she did dinner, and he locked the door, and it was pouring rain that night, and he left her out there. He didn't know if she was, what happened. Anyway, he wakes up in the morning, and he goes to unlock the front door. He opens the door, and Polly falls in. She had slept in the archway of the door, and she fell in. She brushed herself off. She says, Okay, dear, what would you like for breakfast? And she started cooking him breakfast and loved on him. And you know what? 
he felt heaping coals of fire on his head. And God was able to pierce him. And he says that's one of the things that marked the reality of God in that situation, the power of God. So many times we think, oh, it's this big, powerful thing. No, many times it's situations like that where we have to dig in and it's like, okay, God, where are you in the midst of this? Because in the midst of when it's easy to get angry or slap someone or whatever, God says, no, why don't you react in love and why don't you do something different? Why don't you try loving your enemy? Why don't you try feeding them? Why don't you do something counterintuitive? Oh, I never thought of that. We won't. God thinks of it for us. Amen? And he put it out there for us. So how many think you have opportunities to be able to live this out? Maybe this week. I think we all do. But I think you're going to see the power of God work in a way you've not seen before. Because you have put God on the line in situations where he has to come through. And it says here, I want to end with this. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Amen? Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. How many of us can do that? If I can have the worship team up. Because I believe that we are in a day and age right now where there are so many opportunities in the midst of all that's going on that God wants to show himself in ways that we've not seen yet. I believe in, even with our political leaders. You know, these are tough situations and tough times where many of these leaders would not have asked to be leaders if they had known what they were facing right now. Truth be told. The one thing we have to realize with every leader is they're a person first. I remember reading a book, and I cannot remember who the person was that wrote this, and, but it was an account of the, of the, of the Hol- uh, of Nazi Germany when they took over Holland and, um, and this guy had gone to a concentration camp, and he had been hauled into this place, and all of them were stripped. And he says there were doctors, there were lawyers, there were people from all levels of society. They were stripped of everything, and they were walking the walk of shame, which they, they did to them before they put them in these camps. But this man said, I realized because he had seen people in positions and had all these levels, and he realized we are all the same. When we're stripped of everything in the end, we are all the same. We're all the same. And I think we, we need to realize this from when we're going into different situations. It's a person that we're dealing with. It doesn't matter what level of prestige or authority or influence, whatever it is, they're a person that God genuinely loves. And whether they're being evil, oh, do you guys, do you have a song you're thinking of? <laughs> they're kind of like, oh, 
I'm trying to think of one. No, no, not a new one. One of the ones that we did. Which one do you think? <laughs> Suggestions? <laughs> you know what? Um, sure, let's do that one. You know, actually, this is a good one. And this, this song that we, we did tonight, we haven't done it for a while, Affection, Devotion. Um, I think this is the thing that, that um, I want to see coming out of this season that we're in. My prayer has been during this whole lockdown and this whole COVID experience is, God, don't let us, the church, and I don't just mean our church. I mean the church, God's people. I never think of just our church. I, my heart is for the global church. It's for God's people everywhere. It's not about one church. We are one part of the picture. God has many aspects of that picture through his body. And we need to respect and honor one another that way. But it's like, God, don't let us come out of this the same we went in. And I don't mean that we're changed in a bad way, but that we're changed in a good way. That we come out of this having realized more than ever before God's power that we have gotten closer to God than we've ever gotten before, that our prayer life is stronger than it ever has been before, that we are seeing God's hand working in different ways than we've ever seen before. And if that's not happening, then lockdown's not over for you. It's not over because you're still locked down. And God, in his mercy, is wanting to get us out of things. You know, Daniel, when he walked into, um, actually, I want us to read it. In Jeremiah, this is, was the promise that they were given when they went into um, captivity. And, and Daniel knew this when he went in. You know, in, da in Jeremiah's time, in Daniel's time, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. How many know Jeremiah the weeping prophet? He got the really not-so-good job. He gets to, gets to tell the word of the Lord that everybody hates. He goes the exact opposite of what all the prophets are saying. Israel's going to be fine. There's, we're going to have prosperity. It's going to continue. It's going to continue. And Jeremiah is like, no, God sees your hearts. They're far from him. And he's going to begin to judge you. And he's going to begin to bring some correction. And, and he starts bringing this word. And, and everyone else is like, Oh, Jeremiah, you're a false prophet. You're, you're blah, blah, this, that. But in the end, Jeremiah's words came, came about. But this is what it says in Jeremiah. Um, what was the verse I gave you? I think it was verse 7, wasn't it? I don't have my notes on that. Pulled it up last minute. Here. Verse 4, actually. This is what the Lord of the heavens, of, of, of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Okay, this is weird. You're going to be captives 
And if you know Jewish people, they fight. And I'm not saying that in a bad, bad way, okay? I'm not saying that to put them down. There's this fight. They go in and they take over situations. They know they're the head, they're not the tail. They're the top, they're not the bottom. That's the covenant that they were given from the beginning. And God's like, no, you're going to go into exile and this is what I want you to do. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that, they, so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers tell you, tell who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Don't listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Because what they were prophesying is you're going to win these battles when they come to take you. You're going to fight them and you're going to win. And they went on and on. And God's like, no, you're not going to win. You're going into exile. And this is what you need to do. You need to work for the well-being and the prosperity of the people that you're with. Guess who did that? Daniel. Daniel did that. Right at the very top. But there were others underneath that were doing all kinds of things too. But it went well for them. And this is where this verse comes from. He says here, verse 10. And this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for, 40, for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And in those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. And I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. And I will bring you home again to your own land. So even in the midst of God's judgment, even in the midst of God's discipline where he is putting them into captivity, God has a plan and he's saying, I will bring you out again. But the heart of the matter is this. God was wanting to get to the heart. He wants to get to our hearts. And in situations that we're facing, if there's this restlessness and there's this... How many have felt that restlessness? Anyone want to be honest? Okay, please participate. Has anyone felt restlessness? Okay, thank you. Why? Because when you're like held like this, and it's like you're held, and you're like... The very thing you want to do is wrestle out of that. Or when you're put into a situation that's totally contrary to what you, you wanted, and you're put into these, and you're confronted with these, and you're confronted with these, you're going to hit that spot. But God wants us to enter into a rest where we allow humility to come, where we break, 
and we allow his will and his way to come to the surface. Daniel did that. He lived in the captivity, but he continued to honor God and put him first. And God came through over and over again, even in situations that he wasn't liking, but he knew this is what I've got to do right now. God came through. God elevated. And I believe there are tremendous opportunities for us as the church and the people of God that are mundane things, but that God's going to come through in everyday living, and we're going to begin to see influence, and we're going to begin to see change. We're always waiting for the one big guy. It's a movement of people, and it's faceless, and it's nameless. God is done with the one-namers and the the one man shows. God was never about that, but he is for his church and his people, his body. Amen? And what does he want? He wants a body that is devoted to him, that is pouring out their love to him. And so this song is about that. It's about saying, God, I, there's nothing more I can give you, but I give you my affection I give you my devotion. And I want you to make this your prayer. And I want you to, this week, go deeper with him. You know, every hard thing that you have to do, when you do it for God, it means the most to him. When my wife, when I do things that are easy for me to do, serving is easy for me. So making supper, giving her coffee, doing all those things. That's easy for me. You know, a lot of wives are like, oh, I wish my husband would make coffee and make me dinner. That's an easy thing for me. You know what's hard for me? Words. Saying nice words. Well, it's just hard for me. So when I'm saying nice words to my wife, she's like, okay, that means way more than dinner that you made for me because she knows that's not something that I do easily or that's natural for me or it goes against the grain. It's easy for us to do things that we want to do that we like doing. You know what God's giving us? He's giving us grunt jobs. He's putting us in situations where there's some grunt work to do. And he's saying, are you going to display strength and you're going to take action? Because I've opened a door and I've given my church an opportunity to, to display who I am. And you know what it's going to come out of? A heart of love and devotion for him. If it comes out of anything other than that, it stinks. It stinks. The Bible actually says it's a clanging noise if you speak out of anything other than love for God and love for people. It's a clanging noise. It means nothing. So I want us to give our devotion back to Him. I want us to repent of anything that we've done that has been with a heart that's just motivated by self. And I want us to lay it down and I want us to give God permission to do something new. Where you feel stuck, he can unstuck you. 
Amen? And you know what he'll unstuck you with? He'll give you a step. He'll give you a step to take. And he'll give you strength to take the step. But where we want to start is giving our affection and our devotion back to him. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's not about anything else. It's about him. Whenever it becomes anything other than that, everything else gets messed up. But when we allow it to be about him, everything changes. So let's allow him and his presence to bring that change. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, first of all, that you laid down your life for us. We thank you that you did not come to be served, but you came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. We thank you that you did not hold anything back. You held nothing back. You gave everything. And Jesus, I repent of only giving you the parts that I want to give you. And when you put your finger on the hard parts, God, I'm not always willing, but I ask that you would begin to change my heart, that you would change our hearts in those areas where you want to go deeper, where you want to do more. Thank you for giving us the strength. Thank you for pouring out your grace in those areas of weakness. You said we can come boldly to your throne of grace, that we would obtain help in our time of need and our help in that place of weakness. So we give that weakness to you right now. give it to you. We lay everything down to you. We do not concern ourselves with matters too hard and too high for us to even figure out. We give them to you. We cast them upon you. We thank you. Everything we need is found in you. The answer we need is found in you. So we just draw on who you are. And we love you today, Jesus. I want you to just begin to just pour out your heart to him. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.